0: Grace and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What do you hope for? Your favorite team to win the championship? A healthy body? Enough money to pay all your bills and take care of your family? Good relationships with other people? Maybe just a peaceful life? We all have different things that we want and we hope for, and we think that by getting them, we'll be happy. That's really what we all want, right? Our specific hopes and desires might be different, but we really all want happiness. That's what we long for, and so we hope. But the world is not always kind to our hopes. See, we, often our teams don't win the championship. In fact, usually they don't. Life is not always peaceful. We don't always have good relationships with other people. We don't ever seem to have enough money. And no matter how well we take care of our bodies, they still break down. We still get sick. Sin ruins everything. Sin brings pain. Sin brings suffering. Sin brings death. Sin destroys our hopes and tempts us to despair. Why bother hoping? It only leads to disappointment. But there is a hope that sin cannot harm and cannot take away. It does not come from expectations. It comes from the word of God. It comes when we see our Savior Jesus and all that he has done for us. This hope comes when we see God's gifts of grace to us. Gifts beyond measure and grace beyond understanding. And when we see these things, we will know greater hope. So let's look to that word again as we begin our study through the book of Ephesians, reading from chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Ephesians was originally a letter written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to the church that he had started in Ephesus. And it was one of his four prison epistles, we call them, prison letters, because he wrote them while in prison in Rome. Why was Paul in prison? For doing something very, very terrible, preaching the gospel to a bunch of Jews who didn't want to hear it. So Paul had gone through a long process of trials and corruption and false witnesses and finally ended up in Rome. So during the writing of this letter, he is sitting under house arrest, constantly guarded by Roman soldiers, waiting for a Roman court to decide whether he should be freed or executed. But instead of focusing on his own problems... Paul writes letters of encouragement and instruction to other believers, believers like the ones in Ephesus. Ephesus was a major city in the world at that time. It was an important port city and a stopping point for many trade routes in the Mediterranean Sea. Ephesus was also one of the more populated cities of the time with about 300,000 people living in it. Paul had already had his sights set on this city during his second missionary trip. He wanted to get to Ephesus, but God had other plans for him. Instead, took him over to Macedonia. But by the end of that second missionary trip, Paul did make it to Ephesus briefly. And there he left two of his co-workers, Priscilla and Aquila, there in ephesus and promised that if it was the lord's will he would return shortly and he did for his third missionary trip paul makes it to ephesus and he works there for three years which is the longest stay that we have documented of the apostle paul in any of his missionary trips and during those three years all sorts of things happened wonders from god but also persecutions from Satan preaching of the word baptisms a mass conversion demon possession those are just a few of the things that happened while Paul was in Ephesus there was a mass burning of sorcery scrolls there was a riot led by a silversmith named Demetrius And there was emotional farewell by Paul to the Ephesian elders. So it's no wonder that Paul wanted to write these Ephesians a letter. They were very dear to him. He loved them. And they were surrounded by constant temptations. See, since Ephesus was such an important city, there were constantly people coming and going from it, bringing their sin and their idolatry with them. Ephesus had multiple temples to false gods in it, and the favorite way to worship these gods was often prostitution. So Paul wanted to be in Ephesus so he could help the Christians there to personally stand against the attacks of Satan and also reach out with the gospel to the thousands of people in that city who needed to hear it. But Paul was in prison. So the best thing he could do was write them a letter. And the Holy Spirit worked through that so that Paul wrote not just Paul's words, but God's word. A message important enough that God preserved it for thousands of years so that we too could hear it. Because there's another important city filled with thousands of people, all different cultures, and many, many temptations. And there's another group of believers who need to be strengthened by God's word so that they can stand against Satan and so that they can take the good news to everyone. God speaks to us through the book of Ephesians. To the saints in Mississauga, the faithful in Christ Jesus, And his message to us is the same that it was to the Ephesians. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Those words should sound familiar to you. Not only are they the usual way that Paul begins his letters, but they're often used by pastors or interns to start off their sermons. In fact, we use them to start off the service today. And the purpose is the same. It's to remind you that everything you're about to hear is about the grace and peace that God has given you in Jesus. Even the parts about sin, even the parts that cut you to the heart, are still focused on grace and peace that God has given you. And Paul elaborates on these gifts further in the next verses. God has not just given us a few blessings. He's not just given us a handful of blessings. God has given us every spiritual blessing that we need. A wealth of blessings, more than we could ever think to even ask for. And the first of these blessings that Paul talks about is predestination. The teaching that before God even created the universe, he already knew every believer by name and knew that he was going to save them. Not because of anything good in us, but simply because of God's grace and for his glory. See, it's no coincidence that you believe in Jesus as your Savior. It wasn't just by chance or dumb luck that you were brought to faith. God orchestrated everything in your life so that you would hear the gospel and so that you would believe in Jesus. Predestination shows another layer of the amazing love that God has for us. And it's meant to be a teaching of comfort. Truly, it is a grace beyond our understanding, a gift that we can't fathom, But it's not the only one that he's given us. There's many more. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we have redemption. We have been bought back and set free from sin, from death, from hell, Jesus paid the price. How did he do that? What currency did he use? The most valuable and precious substance in existence, his own blood. Jesus gave his life so that we could be freed, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could have life. This wasn't because of anything we had done. It was in accordance with the grace of God. There was nothing in us that made Jesus want to die for us. We were his enemies. We hated God. And yet Jesus still redeemed us. He lavished his love upon us, and he's given us salvation. But Jesus is not just our Redeemer. He's also our king. See, Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose to prove that his payment had been enough and that now we did have new life and that someday we too will rise because of what he's done. And Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father where he is ruling over all things for our good. See, Jesus is now the head under which all things in heaven and on earth have been brought together he's our king so we don't just have redemption we have confidence knowing that the same god and savior who gave his life for us is now in control of everything that happens and he's still controlling things to bring about blessing to us This is just one of the gifts that God has given us. Gift that cannot be measured. A sacrifice beyond anything else. But there are even more gifts that God has given us. Paul continues. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory." Predestination is mentioned again, not just to remind us of God's love, but also to show the connection between predestination and the gospel. See, we are saved because God predestined us to be saved, but that happens through the gospel. The gospel is the means by which we get that salvation. That's why Paul says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. See, we don't have to worry about whether God has predestined us or not. Our confidence comes from the gospel, from God's word, where we see what our Savior has done for us, how he lived and died and rose so that we could be with him in heaven that's where our confidence comes from that's our assurance but god has given us another assurance the holy spirit was the one who worked through the gospel to create faith in our hearts having believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised holy spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance So the Holy Spirit created the faith. But he didn't just create the faith and then leave. He's still living in our hearts, strengthening us to live for God, protecting us from temptations and from spiritual dangers. The Holy Spirit is God's seal on our hearts. Now when a letter is sealed, that seal keeps that letter safe until it reaches its destination. The Holy Spirit is a seal that is keeping us safe to reach our destination, heaven. And he's also God's deposit. See, when you make a deposit on a car or on a house, that payment is proof that more is coming. The Holy Spirit and the faith that he has created in our hearts is proof that God is going to give us more blessings. Heaven, eternal life, with our loving God. A never-ending fellowship with believers. These are blessings and gifts that we cannot count, that we cannot understand. but They're gifts of grace, and they are real. So many gifts. So much power and love and grace God has given to us. We have no need to ever despair about not having enough or to ever worry that God's not in control, that he hasn't taken care of us. We have been given riches, more than we could ever need, which is why, as believers, we are always joyful and confident and trusting and content, 100% of the time, right? Right? like when your car breaks down and you realize that this is a problem that just doesn't seem to match up with God's love. How, How am I supposed to pay for this, God? What am I supposed to do? Why would you do this to me? It's so unfair. Or when you seem to never have enough money to pay the bills. And you wonder why God hasn't answered your prayers to give you a better job. Or when temptations and trials are beating down upon you. And you wonder if God even cares. Or when the joys of heaven seem like a distant dream. Because your suffering on earth is so severe. Where are your blessings now, God? I don't feel loved. I don't feel rich. I don't feel hopeful. We're not always joyful. We're not always content. So often we fail to see the spiritual gifts that God has given us because we're so focused on what we don't have. And so we despair and we forget about the hope and the gifts that God has given us. But God... Gives them to us anyway. See, God knew before the creation of the universe, when he predestined us to be saved, he knew that we weren't always going to be content, but he did it anyway. Jesus came to earth to win our salvation. Even though he knew we would not always appreciate it, the Holy Spirit still created faith in our hearts. Even though he knew we would not always be thankful. See, our sinfulness and our failings do not nullify God's gifts because they are gifts of grace, undeserved love, gifts that have been given to us in Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life of contentment, of joyfulness, always appreciating God's gifts to him, never despairing, never wondering why God wasn't giving him more, and he gave that perfection to us. Because we didn't live our lives. We weren't always content. We weren't always joyful. So Jesus took our sinfulness and gave us his perfection. He traded the spiritual wealth that he had earned for our spiritual poverty. And he took that poverty and the punishment that goes with it. And Jesus went to the cross. He died for every one of our failings, every one of our sins, every time that we despaired, every time we got angry at God. Jesus died for those sins. He redeemed us. He paid the price. And he rose to prove that that debt had been blotted out forever. We have forgiveness. We have salvation. We have hope. And this hope is not a temporary or weak or uncertain hope. It is a greater hope. A hope that relies not on expectations, but on God's word. Hope that comes from Jesus. When we see God's gifts of grace to us, gifts beyond measure, grace beyond understanding, but they have all been given to us in Jesus. And this hope allows us to get through the suffering of this world and the pain of this life because we know that those things will not last. Our home is in heaven. That is our hope. We are rich. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Jesus. And Jesus is enough. Amen.